in the name of Jesus. Isaiah sees, but he does not see what you see. Isaiah understands, and he understands what you understand. He understands what you see, even though he did not see it. I tell you, Jesus says, that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Isaiah prophesied when the Spirit of Christ in him predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. And yet, in a crucifix, your eyes see more clearly than Isaiah saw. And yet, by prophetic miracle, the meaning of the crucifix, the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion is revealed in Isaiah 52 through 53. Jesus' crucifixion is preached throughout. Even in the, the first words we heard, Behold, my servant will deal wisely. He will be high and lifted up and very exalted. It sounds good, but it's not. Second verse right after that, Many were astonished at you, his appearance so marred beyond human resemblance. Lifted up and marred meet in Jesus at Calvary. But it's not just about what Jesus suffered as preached through Isaiah's prophecy. It also has to do with why Jesus suffered. Isaiah explains this too. It's all over the place in our Old Testament. It all has to do with your sins. In fact, everything Jesus does has to do with your sins. Forgiving them. Saving you from them. That is Jesus at Calvary on the cross. He bore your sins even though he is the sinless son of God. He had done no violence, Isaiah says. There was no deceit in his mouth. He had no iniquity of his own. Unlike you or me, he always did what was pleasing in God's sight according to God's law. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Not only that, Jesus suffered the punishment that we by our sins have deserved. He was punished even though He's innocent. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. 
he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Numbered as transgressor, punished as one, killed as one, punished as you in your place. What we could never do, Jesus did. By his holy life, by his precious blood, by his innocent suffering and death, you are accounted righteous. He is condemned as guilty so that you are eternally innocent. You are accounted righteous. You are justified by his being guilty. Sinners are accounted righteous because the sinless one was unrighteous for them. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Father, forgive them, Jesus says, and you are forgiven, redeemed, innocent, justified. You are all those things, not because you are those things in yourself, but solely based on Jesus. Everything Jesus does has to do with your sins, forgiving them, saving you from them. And so you are forgiven. You are saved. Calvary is a done deal. It is finished, Jesus said. But the Lord's not done. He keeps salvation going. And this is the ongoing comfort of how God deals with sinners in our daily lives. Salvation is both now and not yet. You are saved now. And you will be saved on the last day. You are raised now in baptism. You will be raised on the last day. It's similar with forgiveness. It is, past tense, Calvary accomplished. Jesus' blood shed. But it's also present tense, right now. It's, yes, you have been forgiven, and also you are and will be forgiven. And this is how Jesus does things right now for you. And this is also prophesied by Isaiah. He bore the sin of many, past tense, and yet makes intercession for the transgressors, present tense. Because no matter what Jesus is doing, it has to do with your sins, forgiving them, saving you from them. And this is how he shall sprinkle many nations. As Isaiah says, it's not only his death, 
as Jesus himself promises, I will draw all people to myself when I am lifted up. It's also in his ongoing work for and to the nations. Make disciples of all nations, he says, by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He sprinkles all nations with his forgiveness, with his blood. And because of his sprinkling us, forgiving us, we draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, as Hebrews says. Because, as Peter says, baptism now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good, clean conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the Lord's not done. He's still making intercession for the transgressors, for you. Not that anyone should sin. We should be ashamed enough to put them away. You certainly are forgiven enough from them. God's blood enough. Son, dead Son of God enough. Your sins have been swept away in the torrent of Jesus' blood, plunged into the depths by your baptism. Why keep salvaging them from the deep, those things of which your conscience is afraid? John says, when anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. He gave himself as a ransom for all. And his sprinkled blood, Hebrews tells us, speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Not judgment, not vengeance, but forgiveness, life and salvation. And the good news keeps going out. It just keeps coming. It goes to the nations. It comes to you. As Paul says, also quoting Isaiah, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The arm of the Lord, his salvation has been revealed to you. This happens in sermons, audible preaching, in the crucifix, visual preaching, and in the supper of Jesus' body and blood, tangible preaching, even more sprinkling for you. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until, we, until he comes. 
For the bread is his body for you, and the wine his blood for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. We see what Isaiah did not, but he understands what it all means. He prophesies it. He preaches Christ and what he would do at Calvary and what he would do after that. Even his resurrection, Isaiah says, he will get a portion with the many. And that is after he poured out his soul to death. This also includes what Christ continues to do after his resurrection. All of it, beginning to end, has to do with your sins, with Jesus dealing with your sins. Everything Jesus does has to do with your sins, forgiving them, saving you from them. And that is Calvary. That's his bearing your sins, though sinless. That's suffering your punishment, though innocent. That's his being condemned guilty that you might be accounted righteous, innocent, forgiven. Forgiveness finished, but also continual, sprinkling you at the font, your advocate with the Father right now, delivering forgiveness to you in sermons through his word and the supper of his body and blood so shall he sprinkle many nations. Because no matter what Jesus is doing, it has to do with your sins, forgiving them, saving you from them. And so in him you have no sins to speak of. All sins died in Jesus. For the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Past tense but also right now, present tense. He sprinkles many nations, and in this way he makes many, even you, to be accounted righteous in his sight. In the name of Jesus.